Welcome to True Hauntings and Scary Stories. This is your host, Cynthia Sear. Uh, We've got some really fun stuff going on, you guys. We are just finishing up our trial run of Box of Haunts, which is a supernatural mystery box that I created for you guys just to have fun with. So uh, the first one was just a trial run. I made 20 boxes just to see how it would go. And it went really well. I only have three left. So it's got the witch's bells and then five other things in it. And it is available. Those last three boxes are available on truehauntings.com. You just click on the post that says Box of Haunts. So now I have decided to go ahead with a monthly subscription mystery box that is going to be available on my Patreon account. It will be available starting October 1st, and it's called Box of Haunts. But this one on Patreon will be a subscription box, so basically you join the tier. And not only do you get all the benefits from the first and the second tier as well, but then you also get that mystery box every month. So today's story is called The Chosen. The roaring cheer of the crowd was almost deafening making it difficult for me to hit the final notes of the song on cue. Brendan! Brendan! At six foot tall and 190 pounds, I was a fit guy, probably due to a constant schedule of nightly performances that would rival any trainer's toughest workout regimen. My dark hair and beard accentuate my light green eyes, which I take full advantage of in my line of work. The ladies seem to appreciate a bearded dude with green eyes, who can carry a tune. Can't blame a guy for working with what he's got. I was actually thankful to be wrapping up this concert, though. The energy of the crowd was addictive, but also very draining. By the time the band exited the stage, I was exhausted and ready to relax. Such is the life of a megastar frontman of the most popular band in the world. Sure, it sounds glamorous, and every aspiring musician wants to be me, but I'd grown tired of it all. Two years of screaming young women, and men for that matter, can wear a person down after a while. Still, this is what I asked for, what I agreed to. I was a relatively popular singer in my area of Florida before I hit it big. I was able to pay my bills doing what I loved. But I wanted more. I wanted to see my band's name in lights in every major city and hear women cry my name from the seats below the stage. I wanted more money than I would ever need so I could have every material thing I desired. And I desired a lot. The thing about desiring so much is that you don't find joy in any of it, just in the acquiring of it. That lasts for, what, 30 minutes? A day if it was a big purchase? As a 22-year-old man, I didn't have a very strong grasp of life in general. Not at all. I was stumbling through life, constantly staring at everyone else's wanting what they had and not appreciating what I had. We'd been playing a great show one night at a local bar, a packed house, but I didn't want to continue playing these small venues. I was at a low point, fully engulfed in my envy and a drink, when a dark man approached me. My band was a mainstream rock band, so this man stuck out like a sore thumb. He was very tall, taller than me, and I'm six foot. He had a well-groomed beard of jet black that spread thickly to his full head of wavy curls. His black cowboy hat sat firmly in place and matched the black clothing he wore. His well-fitted black trench coat on top of a dark gray button-down silk shirt 
accented his tall stature well. The black jeans, with a large silver buckle and large black and gray cowboy boots, completed the look. I could hear him coming before I saw him for the click of those brand-new-looking boots against the hardwood floor. Hey, son, how are you? The dark man asked in a low, gruff voice. I wasn't sure I wanted to carry on a conversation at the moment, but I was curious about him, so I told him I was fine without looking up for my drink. You don't look fine. You look like a man who's missing out on the life he was meant for. All these little people around you don't look right to me. You're bigger than them. You're bigger than this town. Hell, you might even be bigger than this country. Let me ask you something. What do you want? I was taken a bit by surprise by his assessment of me and was about to simply excuse myself and leave until I looked up and we made eye contact. His eyes seemed brown at first glance, but there was a bit of red in them. The streaks of red through the deep brown of his irises seemed to pull me in. Something about him made me want to tell him whatever he wanted to know. I could have stood up and walked away, but I didn't. He seemed to know something and I wanted to know it too. To my own surprise, I answered him as honestly as I had ever been in my entire life. I want more. Everything. I want people to know my name and want to be me. I want a big house and nice cars and pretty women. I want it all. I guess I'm sure not going to get it in this town, though. Son, he began, what if I could help you get all those things and more? I see you on a stage in front of thousands and thousands of people. Every single one of them either wants to be with you or be you. You can have bodyguards and housekeepers and a chef and a different woman every night if you want. The sky is the limit. I know someone who can make all of that happen, and then some. He described exactly the life I was lusting after. I was mesmerized. Thinking that maybe this man was a talent scout or music producer, I said, I'm listening. There is someone very powerful who can give you all of those things, and he's been watching you. He thinks you are an excellent choice for the work that he needs done. What work? I asked hesitantly. This was starting to sound like some weird mob recruiting job. That kind of thing was not really my speed. Have you ever heard of making a deal with the devil? My boss is powerful and has every possible resource to make all of your ambitions a reality. All he asks for in return is a favor every now and then. Trust me when I say, these are tasks you won't mind doing. I couldn't believe what I was hearing at first. This type of thing only happens in the movies, right? This isn't a real-life kind of scenario. This guy has got to be off his rocker or drunk or something, I thought. I continued to listen to him, though. Pick a woman in this bar, any woman, and ask her for a kiss. Don't make any small talk. Just walk up to her and ask her for a kiss. I did as he directed. I picked a beautiful woman I had noticed earlier, but she seemed to be on a date. As she was sitting at the table with her assumed date, I approached and asked her for a kiss. I thought for sure that dude was going to lay me out, but he just sat there and looked straight ahead, almost frozen. She turned to look me in the eyes, then stood up, put her hand on the back of my head, and pulled me to her mouth for a long kiss. I slipped my hands around her waist and we embraced in that kiss for a solid half a minute or so. When she was done, she sat back down and continued talking to her date. No one around us even seemed to have seen what just happened. 
No one reacted. I was stunned for a moment and walked back to the dark man. She went right back to talking with her date, and he didn't even look at me. Didn't seem to notice me at all. As I said, my boss is very powerful. He can open doors for you that would never open otherwise. Sometimes, there are going to be things he'll need you to take care of in a way that only you can. A small price to pay for a life of plenty, if you ask me. My interest was especially piqued. I could not explain what had just happened. If there was more of that to come, maybe I should consider this. All I had to do was a little side job for the devil every now and then, and I could have everything I desired. I figured at the very worst he was telling the truth, and I'd deal with the consequences of working for the devil after an amazing life of stardom. Or, he was full of crap, and I'd wake up tomorrow as the same nobody I was tonight. I didn't really buy into this stuff anyway, so I agreed to his deal. His smile will never leave me. I see it when I fall asleep at night and when I wake up in the morning. Disturbing is not a strong enough word. There was a particular gleam in his red-tinted eyes that topped the whole expression of his face. He extended his hand, and I shook it. The pain I felt was instant, like getting stabbed all over my body at the same time. I instantly knew in my heart of hearts that I'd messed up. When he released my hand, the pain was gone, and I sat staring at him, waiting to hear what I was to do next. I was instantly his servant, and I knew it. I felt it. He again smiled at me and said to keep doing what I was doing, change nothing. The life I desired would find me quickly, so be prepared. He also said he would be in touch when he had my first task. I asked nothing of him. I dared not speak unless prompted to. My entire demeanor had changed, and I was not in control of it. I wasn't in control of anything anymore. I'd given all of that away with a single handshake. He definitely wasn't wrong about the fame finding me. The very next gig we played ended up having a big-time producer in the audience. He loved our sound and immediately gave us an appointment in his recording studio. There was something in his eyes that reminded me of the dark man I had made my deal with, a certain spark that left me wondering if maybe both men had at one point been on the receiving end of the deal with the devil. Maybe we are everywhere keeping this whole deceit going, stealing souls from God with temptations humans struggle to resist. At first, I soaked it all in. I did all the things you would think stereotypical of a band's lead singer. Drugs, alcohol, women. I tasted every sin handed to me. I had everything I'd been lusting for all these years. After two years of a fast-paced life of excess, my memory of the dark man that night was beginning to fade into some type of hallucination I thought I'd had. And then he resurfaced one day, quite by surprise. I don't have any idea how he managed to get past my security team and into my mansion of a house, but there he was, pouring me bourbon at my own fully stocked bar. Frozen in place, I walked over and took the drink only when he offered it as if I could not move or speak in his presence unless he willed it of me. He spoke in the same low, scratchy voice I remembered, and I absorbed every word like a sponge. He described what he referred to as a true innocent. All I had to do was find this true innocent, someone who had never sinned and was destined to die before sin touched them 
thus causing them to take the form of an angel after death. God created his angels by first putting them in human bodies and tempting them with the sins of the world. If they could make it to twenty years old without sinning, they would be released from their human confines through death and begin their true purpose as an angel, watching over those humans God deemed worthy of the effort. Once I found this true innocent, I was to turn them by any means necessary. I would only find an innocent that I was attracted to, and they to me. God may work in mysterious ways, but Satan doesn't. Sex sells. That's how it works in movies, ads, music, and in hell too. Basically, I had to get this person to fall in love with me and then tempt them to commit a sin, any sin. And not any of those silly things that man included in their Bible eating the wrong meat on the wrong day, or forgetting to go to church on the Sabbath. Those are not things God worries about, now or ever. I'm talking about the seven deadly sins. Pride, greed, wrath, envy, lust, gluttony, and sloth. My job was to successfully tempt my target into committing one of those sins. I was starting to understand his words during our first meeting. He said the tasks were things that I would enjoy doing, and indeed, tempting a virgin angel in the making into sinning sounded very entertaining. Even under his spell, I smiled faintly at the thought of it. Once the dark man explained what was expected of me, he stood and walked out of the room. There was no time for questions from me or chit-chat. He explained my mission and left, probably headed to the next assignment. I stood there at the bar for several minutes, until I felt like I could move again. I walked out onto the balcony of my master suite, but he was nowhere in sight. To this day, I have no idea how he gets in or out. He's simply there when he needs to be and gone when he's done. The next day, I was playing a big gig in a nearby city, which I was thankful for because traveling is a pain. The security and organizing required for an out-of-state show was draining. After the show, my bandmates and I were starving, but we didn't feel like dealing with the same old routine of backstage visits from various women. I was bored. I convinced my buddy to sneak out of the venue with me through some side doors that very few people knew about. We were successful and on the moonlit street in a few minutes. We walked down to a local convenience store to grab some junk food when I noticed a tall, slender young lady, probably about 18 or 19, walking on the other side of the street with her friends. She had the most amazing glow about her. It literally lit up the space around her like a flashlight. Her hair was a light natural blonde color that, along with her light olive skin, emphasized the glow around her. I had never seen anything like it, and yet I suddenly knew this was my mission. The dark man had mentioned a glowing woman that I would have to tempt until her glow was gone. It had sounded strange at the time. Now, it made complete sense. Without saying a word to my bandmate, I crossed the street and made a beeline for her, not even realizing that they would almost definitely recognize us both, and it might turn into a scene. As I came nearer to her, I felt pulled into her eyes. They were a very light blue, almost like the crystal clear waters of an island paradise. There was a light in them that I wanted so badly. She was dressed in a flowing skirt that was white with light pink and blue flowers and a light blue shirt that buttoned up the front. She was breathtaking. 
Surprisingly, she did not recognize me, but her two friends did immediately. They managed to keep their noise level down when I motioned for them to speak softly. I explained that if they made a scene, we would have to run, and I wanted to spend time with them. They were all too happy to comply. The girl I was most interested in was very quiet and stood back a bit from the rest of us. I had to specifically engage with her to get her to talk to me. Her name was Layla, and her voice was intoxicating to my ears. I truly just wanted to reach out and touch her delicate skin, but dared not for fear of frightening her and never seeing her again. There was such a positive energy about her that I felt drawn to her in a way I didn't even understand. The dark man hadn't mentioned exactly how attracted I would be to her. It almost felt like a yin and yang situation, like her innocence could balance the inner demon I had allowed into me. After a few minutes of chatting on the street, my bandmate invited the girls to the backstage of our venue, and her friends were all too eager to oblige. Layla, however, felt some hesitation, so I agreed to go with her to a nearby diner so she could still be in a public place and feel safe. She seemed to like that idea, and it worked well for my mission. I couldn't exactly win her over with other people hanging around. I needed one-on-one time with her. I wanted one-on-one time with her. We entered the diner and asked for a table in the very back and around the corner of the dining room. I hoped I wouldn't be recognized there as quickly and have more time together. I had no idea what I was doing or how to do it, so I was focusing on getting as close to her as possible. I figured I would know what to do when the time came, I guess. We had a nice chat that moved through many subjects. The weather, our upbringings, our likes and dislikes. The conversation flowed nicely. A few hours later, her friends came stumbling into the diner, obviously having drank quite a bit with my bandmates. She quickly excused herself to see them home and stood to leave. I felt a sudden panic at the thought of never seeing her again, until she quietly slipped me a scrap of paper with her first name and a phone number on it. I was overjoyed. I felt like a little boy on Christmas Day who was staring at a brand new bike with all the bells and whistles. I flashed her a smile as she carefully guided her friends to her car parked down the road. The next day just happened to be free of any shows, a rare two-day break in our performances, and my city was only about half an hour away from where I'd met Layla. I called her for an official date. As I listened to the phone ring, I thought of her smile and how it made my insides feel to see it. Layla jumped when her phone went off. She knew who it was on the other end without looking, and she hadn't quite decided how to proceed. Her dreams had warned her months in advance about this week, the last week before her 20th birthday. She opted not to answer it and see what message Brendan would leave. She had been aware from a very young age that she was special. God had visited her dreams on many occasions and explained how important she was to the world and that trials would await to shape and test her. She knew a man of the devil would come for her before her 20th birthday, but she didn't expect to see any good in him. She assumed he would be dark through and through. Although he did have the dark aura about him and that uncomfortable spark in his deep green eyes that she had seen in others, she could also see a tiny light in him. It was faded and barely holding on, but it was there, nonetheless. He wanted to be a better person. 
He regretted his deal with the devil that made him the servant that he was, but he felt powerless to stop it. She could feel that. It was pretty obvious that she was his first assignment. The way he looked at her and spoke to her wasn't at all like the others had been. She thought maybe if she could help his light grow, maybe she could save him from it before she moves on to her greater purpose. But she only has a week. And he has a purpose, too. She listened to his voicemail and it sounded like a nervous schoolboy calling a girl for the first time, but with a trick or two up his sleeve. If she was going to help him, she would have to let him get much closer than she was comfortable with, all the while protecting herself from faltering on her own path. Allowing him close while also keeping him at arm's length was new to her, but she truly wanted to help him. She thought she might be the only one who could. If she can rekindle his light and maybe even increase it from its original strength, she might be able to save his soul. What a task. This is not at all what she thought her last week would be like. She decided to text him back instead of talking on the phone. It was best if their interactions happened in person so she could keep a good read on him and better react to his intentions. She texted him that she was free that day and he could meet her at her favorite park at 5 p.m. It was truly her favorite park because people seemed to go there when they were lonely or downtrodden and she enjoyed helping them. Maybe if he could tag along and be a part of that process, it would help him rediscover the light that was steadily dying in him. It was worth a shot. He quickly responded that he would be there, but warned her that he would be in a hat and sunglasses in addition to his blue jeans and gray-colored shirt in an effort to stay under the radar. His fame made it difficult to be out in public, but she knew that they would have their privacy if that's what was meant to happen. He wouldn't be hard for her to spot because of the dark aura that surrounded him, and likewise he'd see her light, dark and light, always near to each other, but never together. Until now, maybe? I spotted her almost immediately. Even in daylight, her glow was obvious and brilliant. She wore a light blue dress with lace for the sleeves that loosely framed her arms and neck. She was the picture of pure beauty, with her flowing blonde hair pulled haphazardly into a bun. As I walked nearer, I could immediately see that Layla was sitting under a tree in the far corner of the park, talking to a young woman who was crying. I imagined that Layla was doing what probably came naturally to her. She was consoling and uplifting someone who needed it. This kind of situation probably happened wherever she went, to one degree or another. I immediately had the thought that I could use this to my advantage, although there was a part of me that just wanted to be in her presence and stay there forever. I didn't really care about the mission when we were close. Her pull on me felt so strong. As I approached, she called me over and the young lady stood and walked away, looking refreshed and ready to face her world again. I sat down beside Layla and waited for her to speak. For a few moments, we just sat and took in the surroundings. I could see why this place was her favorite. It was a beautiful park with a lake and tables for picnics. Huge oak trees were all around with people under each one. Kids were laughing and climbing on one tree while a worried mother tried to convince them to come down. A man was throwing a frisbee for his dog, a beautiful golden retriever. A young couple sat on a picnic blanket in the shade near the lake, obviously having a romantic picnic dinner. 
They leaned in for a kiss, and all I could think about was getting that opportunity with Layla. I glanced at her face, and the pout of her full lips had a slight shimmer to them in the sunlight. I envisioned kissing them, and my heart fluttered for a moment. When she finally spoke, Layla talked of the young lady who had just left and how she was struggling to find her place in the world. Layla had reminded her that everyone has a different path and serves a different purpose. The girl would find hers in due time. Just don't rush it. Things will fall into place exactly when they should. Stay on the path that makes your light glow, Layla had said to her. Stay on the path that makes your light glow. Beautiful words that felt way too late for me, but I questioned her further about her meaning. It felt like I could make some solid ground with her if I played into the thing that she loved to do the most, help people, and I needed so much help. We walked around the lake while she explained her philosophies on life and death and everything in between. I listened intently and asked questions periodically, making sure she knew I was interested. I truly was interested, but not in the way she expected. She was all too happy to talk about the light in everyone and how some people just needed a little extra help nurturing it. Layla had the most calming voice. I could listen to her speak all day and still want to hear more. Her demeanor was gentle and angelic for sure. God had done his best when he created her and blessed this world with such a giving and true spirit. It seemed a shame that my sole purpose was to taint her spirit with sin and deprive the world of all that she could become. She said everyone could be saved from a dark purpose if only they allowed the light in them to outweigh the dark. Seek to be good with a true spirit and you will become good, she said. I wished those things for myself, but felt they were gone for me as soon as I had my handshake with the devil. As much as I felt her positive pull on me, I also felt the negative pull too. I followed it without even trying. My steps and decisions didn't really feel like my own. My heart might only want to stay in her light, but my head wanted to devour it. I agreed to do these things, and now I was doing them, willing or otherwise. As the evening progressed, I asked her to dinner, and she accepted. I was growing steadily surprised that no one was recognizing me or bothering us until it occurred to me that there was probably some supernatural intervention in that area. Of course, Satan was giving me the space and quiet I needed to do what he wanted done. She chose a little restaurant with candlelight and outdoor seating. Very intimate. Perfect. We continued our talk of life and its meaning, debating the true intentions of people and if there was something greater for each of us in this life. At one point she reached out and put her hand over mine, and the feeling almost overtook me. Her touch was electric with positive energy. I wrapped my fingers around hers and drank in the feeling like it was a magic elixir that could solve all the world's problems with one single sip. She also seemed to feel the magnetism between us, because she didn't pull away. Instead, she pushed her hand further into my grasp, where it stayed for the better part of an hour. Being with her was a drug I wanted more and more of. After darkness had fallen, I invited her to walk on the beach with me. It was a beautiful evening, and I felt the urge to use any excuse to spend more time with her. She also seemed happy in my company and agreed to come along. On the drive over, we both stayed relatively quiet. I know I was thinking of all the possible outcomes of the evening, 
but I'm not quite sure where her mind was. She looked deep in thought, like she was working through a complicated equation that required her full attention. I wonder if she knew the danger she was in. Layla's mind was racing during their car ride to the beach. Brendan really felt open to the light, but she wasn't sure. She felt like he was worth saving, especially if she could save him from his deal. Then he would no longer seek out people like her who served a greater purpose and were of such value. She would try her very best to rescue him, but how? She feared the only way to save him might be to completely give herself over to him. Her mind was fearful of so many things. What if she did sacrifice her gift to save him, but it didn't work? She knew he was there to make her stumble, but what if she didn't stumble at all? What if she gave herself freely? Would that be enough to shine so brightly in him that it broke the spiritual shackles that he was in? Light can defeat darkness, but darkness will always have a place in the world. Did his handshake create a permanent place in him where darkness would always reside? Or could her light shine in every part of him and cast it out? So many questions. She nervously fumbled with the hem of her pale blue dress as they approached the parking area of the beach. We arrived at the beach and I grabbed a blanket and two bottles of water and put them in the backpack for our walk. I wasn't sure where this would lead, but wanted to be prepared for anything. We began walking and I took her hand this time. It felt like heaven. Her light was amazing and I wanted to take in every last drop of it. Thankfully, she welcomed my gesture and not only held my hand, but took hold of my arm in her other hand. The closeness felt startlingly good and left me hungry for more. I wondered if she was aware of who I was and what I'd been sent to take. I felt fairly certain that she felt the connection between us, but I didn't know how much she understood of it. If she did know what my purpose was, why on earth would she let me so close to her? I wondered if my attempts to gain her mercy and inspire her to try and save me were working. I could definitely see her light, but I wondered if I had any light in me, or maybe there was just darkness now that she might want to fill with her own light. I had her there with me, alone in the night, so I continued drawing her nearer and nearer to me. I didn't want to hurt her, but I knew I would if she let me as close to her as I longed to be. Even knowing this, I still clung to her. I couldn't help it. I was merely a moth, doing what all moths do in the dead of night. As the lights of the city faded, I took out the blanket and laid it down. I invited her to sit with me, and she looked hesitant. I assured her that she was safe with me. I told her how much I loved our talks and her company, and asked a question about how she was able to calm the girl in the park. She looked all too happy to speak on that topic and sat down beside me. She sat right beside me and snuggled into my arm. I could feel a warmth in my gut that I hadn't felt in a long time, probably since I had made my pact with the devil. She seemed to notice it, too. I put my arm around her shoulders and pulled her closer. I slowly allowed my arm to drop a bit and held her around her waist. She moved in closer still, and my body began to react to her presence, growing ready for an imagined interaction I hoped would become reality. We talked for a while, steadily getting closer and closer, feeling the electricity between us. It was almost palpable. I whispered in her ear how drawn to her I felt. 
Her touch moved me in ways that seemed otherworldly. Explaining this in soft whispers in her ear was also a feeling that drew me into her presence even more. I wanted to feel her light all around me, engulfing every sensation in it. I leaned in to kiss her. Layla felt so drawn to him, just as he described being drawn to her. Every touch felt like lightning, and every whisper was the most beautiful music in her ear. She no longer saw that disturbing gleam in his eyes, only light that was growing by the minute. She was indeed saving him from his self-imposed fate. He leaned in to kiss her, and she had so many thoughts rushing through her head. She was to be her full potential in five days, on her twentieth birthday. If she lays with him tonight, she could forfeit that and live the rest of her human life without having reached her true purpose. But what if her true purpose was to save him from his? Maybe she would be doing a better deed by helping his light and saving all the others that he would have pursued. How was she to know? As he kissed her, softly at first, she surrendered to it and to him, feeling their connection and the static feeling that existed when their skin met. Before she could really come to terms with what she had decided, they were intertwined his hands exploring her body in the most exquisite way. He slipped them under her dress, and the spark between their bodies seemed visual, like the space around both of them glowed. She melted into him and gave her light to him freely, feeling the slightly draining quality of the act, but desiring it all the more. Without even realizing fully what she was doing, her hands undressed him, and their skin touched even more, almost as if they were inseparable, in that moment, they were inseparable. She felt a sudden ache for him that she had never known and could not deny it any longer. As he hovered over her, she pulled him closer and welcomed him into her. A slight, quick pain took her off guard, but only for a moment, and then they were one. She gasped with the rush of it, the feeling of complete unity. As she unbuttoned my jeans, I knew I would have success. I had seduced her and would have her entire light all to myself, devouring it like a starving animal. I positioned myself above her, and she opened her legs to me. I could tell by the dampness between them that she was fully committed to the act, and I pressed myself against her, completing the connection between us. The electricity was mind-blowing. The feeling of turning a true innocent in this way was like a drug that I needed every last drop of. I drank it in with every motion. I felt her light inside of me, outside of me, all around me. As I felt her shudder in her climax, I gave in to the moment too, and our sin was complete. As soon as he laid back down on the blanket, she realized her error. She had become so consumed with making his light grow that she hadn't realized it grew from the light she was feeding it. He was not redeemable. He was feeding off of her. She had unknowingly given him just exactly what he was hunting for, willingly and completely. She had failed the test. She had committed the sins of lust and pride. She had actually believed that she could save him. He was not hers to save at all. Only God could do that. Her human life would remain just as it was. She no longer felt the light in her, and she couldn't see his aura either. She was blind to the senses she had possessed her whole life. One single act of pleasure had undone her whole purpose. 
The tears came softly but steadily as she watched him dress and slowly walk away from her. He didn't utter a word. He simply stood and walked in the direction they had come. He had played the part of the victim in need of saving so well. Now she was in need of saving, and he was victoriously walking away. She wondered how many other innocents he would claim. During her own walk back toward the city lights of the shoreline, her memories began to blur. She remembered him and their evening together, but she couldn't remember why she was so sad. Something felt off. There was something missing in her soul, but she couldn't remember why she would feel like that. She had really liked this guy and thought he liked her too. But he was in a big famous band, and she was probably just another notch on his bedpost. Typical 20-something-year-old guy. She couldn't worry about it anymore. She felt so drained, like someone had pulled the life right out of her. Her birthday was coming up, and she was determined to make it a great one with her friends. Screw that guy. At least she could say she was with the great Brendan. Maybe she was thinking of this all wrong. Maybe he was a notch on her bedpost. After my first target, I felt energized in a way I never had before. My busy and predictable life had become exciting now. Now I lived for the next appearance of the dark man, for I had become a dark man too. The turning of true innocence was fulfilling to me in a way I cannot explain. It's definitely my purpose. They won't remember a thing about the light they gave me so freely, while it feels so good as it dies inside me. Well, hello, old friend. Who's next? All right, fellow believers, if you enjoyed that story, definitely consider rating me and maybe even writing a review. That would be super, super helpful for us here at True Hauntings and Scary Stories. And you know where to find me, truehauntings.com. will get you pretty much wherever you want to go. And if you happen to have your own true ghost story that's happened to you, please go to truehauntings.com and submit it. Just click on the post that says submit your true ghost story. And we would love to read it on the show, Brick and I, and discuss it. So until next time, stay spooky.